Dang Docolos down for decadent documentaries. Welcome to the Documenteers Podcast, the podcast about documentaries where each week myself, your pal Bob Sham, and another enthusiastic film appreciator discuss and rate a different documentary. Drew is with me this week. That means there's one more notch on the 30 for 30 climb. And this next one is much anticipated because it is about one of the most controversial football players ever, Ricky Williams. Of course, by football, I mean the NFL that we have here in the United States, not football as it is meant pretty much everywhere else in the world. The Documenteers is international, baby. We will get to the real football soon enough. But anyway, Ricky Williams, Heisman winner, amazing running back, marijuana and ancient medicine enthusiast, ups and downs and plenty of real talk in Sean Pamphilon and Royce Tony's Run, Ricky Run. Next week on The Documenteers, well, I actually don't know quite yet what the exact documentary will be as of this recording, but June will be a new experiment that I'll think will probably become a fun show tradition. Of course, June is the month in which Pride happens, the long-standing gathering and celebration of the LGBTQ community that has gone on for decades and has grown to become a much larger and more culturally relevant. Yes, the vast majority of June will be devoted to documentaries created by and focused on the LGBTQ community. I know I kind of dropped the ball on Black History Month. We devoted much of that month on Oscar-nominated docs we missed, but I think that will change in year three of the documenteers. We can also maybe do uh, a whole month of uh, Black History anytime, I suppose. But one more interesting note for the Pride Month edition of the documenteers, Angela will be taking over primary hosting duties. It worked very well during the Bathtubs Over Broadway episode with Jeremy. I got a lot of positive feedback on that one. So Angela will return all damn month long. Don't cry, Docolos. You know I'll be floating around in the background somewhere. June will not be Bob Sham deprived. I know there happens to be a 30 for 30 out there about a transgender tennis player that we might just skip ahead for. Documenteers Pride Month Edition starting next week right here on this podcast just a couple of music credits we totally forgot that the new orleans raised rapper master p was ricky williams agent for a time of course that leads into a master p clip we even fade out on the mia x verse in the classic make him say uh for master p's 1997 album ghetto d that song had several new orleans based rappers if you remember fiend mystical silk the shocker other than that we play a brief snippet of dead man walking by Blaze Ya Dead Homie. Blaze is on the Psychopathic Records label and is associated with the Insane Clown Posse. Just another groveling attempt to draw in the Juggalo fan base to form a unit of cohesive solidarity with the Docolos. In the future, when the Docolo movement rises to power, I picture the Juggalos being the guardian protectors of the Docolo nation, a security force, if you will. The world will join us or we will break it. Let's get on with our 30 for 30 doc run, Ricky run. Documenteerspodcast.com for links and stuff. Five stars in a review on Apple Podcasts is the best way to get the documenteers recommended to other fans of film and fuckery in the podcast first. If you like what you hear, then it would mean the world to us as we continue to build the show. If you gave us five stars in a review on Apple Podcasts. And uh, not to get too philosophical like Ricky Williams, but let me just say... Keep on docking. Here is a motion picture film. A thousand feet. Sixteen thousand separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. He left them hanging here. I don't care if the man wants to go meet the Dalai Lama in the Himalayas or what, but he put his pen to a contract. The least he could have done was tell his team months ago. He was 27 years old. He got the whole world in front of him, and he gave it up. That's ridiculous. A few days before a training camp, you don't just quit. Well, I told you you couldn't smoke pot for three years and make $5 million a year, $15 million. Did you do it? I think about it. You think about it, wouldn't you? Well, this guy couldn't think about it. So I say, great. Disappear and smoke away the rest of your life, Ricky. Drew, it's 30 for 30 time. 
here on Documenteers. And uh, this is one that I've been looking forward to. It's one of them ones, unlike the last one we talked about, Silly Little Game. This is one that I feel like is going to spark some really good conversation. But this one, Run Ricky Run by Sean Pamphalon and Royce Tony, is about that controversial running back, Ricky Williams. Now, Drew, I watched this reality show. I'm kind of a new viewer to this called Big Brother. You've heard of this show? I've heard of it, yes. And uh, this past season, they did a celebrity Big Brother, and Ricky Williams was on it. He didn't win, but he was one of the final two. So now we have to we have the answer to where is Ricky Williams now? Yeah, we know where he is now. He's got a little bit of a belly. He's in the Celebrity Big Brother house. He, yeah, or he was. He seemed surprised that he didn't win. He might have wanted to live there. Yeah, maybe. I think it may be too swank for Ricky, to be honest. He likes the modest means. He's just a peaceful man who asked somebody to make a movie about him. A gentleman in a brutal business. He of the naive best intentions asked me to make this film so his kids would know who their father was in case he never came home. Sean Pamphalon is a friend of Ricky's and Ricky was like, hey, make a movie about me. But I want to I want to keep it as real as possible. <laughs> Ricky loves those little stunner quotes. To be detached, you're not coming from anywhere. You know, you're just coming from a place of love. And for someone to come from a purely place of love will be the most misunderstood person in the whole entire world. I want to talk about the font of the lettering that showed up. Is that supposed to be like guru font or some bullshit? It was very noticeable. I didn't care for it that much. Look, that could be a summation of this entire movie right now. Like, is that supposed to be some guru shit or something? <laughs> we see so many, like, blabbering talking heads because Ricky, that name, can bring up a lot of division amongst your sports pundits and all that bull Hot takers and all that bullshit. He smoked his life away. He chose weed over football. Miami fans are pissed off, which we'll get into that. It seems like... This goes back and forth quite a bit, and it, and it, I don't the transitions into in and out of the NFL career. I don't know if those were as smooth as possible. There is some problems with this movie, but I can't say it's not interesting. It's a really strange format because most of these thirty for thirties again are made by some accomplished filmmaker on a story that they're very interested in. This one apparently Ricky Williams came to the filmmaker. Is he even a filmmaker? Is he just a friend? He just wanted somebody to make this documentary as a kind of living testament to show his kids later on. Who is it? Sean Pamphilon. Sean Pamphilon, he's a producer turned documentary filmmaker. Originally just a producer for some sports TV. But in 2012, he released audio recordings regarding the New Orleans Saint Bounty scandal. Remember when they got busted for... Oh, yeah putting up some money to hurt other players. But he says early on in this that this was supposed to be just just a documentary, a short little thing about Ricky Williams, and it turned into basically following him for five years. That also works as a documentary, Sean. <laughs> well, he didn't expect it to be five years of Ricky Williams' he, life. It does seem to cover a lot of ground in there. But that's a big part of what makes this interesting and because in that in those five years, what we see Ricky around is it starts around his mid twenties, and then he goes into his thirties. I mean, thinking of my transition from mid twenties into early thirties, there's something about that span of time where a lot of things begin to change. You kind of like start to settle into yourself, and your perspective begins to change. And we could see that happening with Ricky over the years. It starts right after the main headline of Ricky Williams' career when he walks away from the Dolphins. Two days before training camp starts, knowing that he would get a four-game suspension from the league because it's his, what, third failed drug test? Yeah. And he just walks away from the team. And of course, this is when, as you said, all the divisive hot takes start flowing in. Dolphins fans are throwing Ricky Williams stuff into a shredder. Yeah. Everybody's saying, oh, this guy just wants to smoke his life away and all this stuff. Now, I think a lot of people, myself being one of these people, I hear about Ricky Williams smoking weed, and I'm thinking... If you can do what he could do, blasted high off his ass, that's really impressive. Wait, hold on. We need to walk away from this documentary for a second. 
Yeah, that's right. Maybe a couple of years. <laughs> uh, cue audio of a bong. Uh, but man, he does love his stoner logic. The first lines you hear out of Ricky are stuff like, you know. 99% of the truth is a lie, Ricky emailed me. Whoa. Real is the only deal. Keeping it real was the deal. Ricky, he's not, obviously he's not your typical football player. He thinks about things in a different way. But it doesn't mean he doesn't have hubris. People can't handle that, though. That yeah. He, that football might not be the most important thing in his life. Is he depressed? Is he bipolar? Or is he the only sane person around for Whoa. not valuing football over everything else? We talked to his mother, and we talked to his, she's listed as his life partner, Kristen. She defends Ricky in terms of his good nature. But there's caveats to it because obviously she's been through some real ups and downs with this dude. And his mother, the first time we see her, she's like, When it comes to women, my son has always been a D.O.G. Always. <laughs> it's so hard to talk about this movie because, again, it jumps all over the place. And there's so many sides of Ricky Williams. You just get this feeling of him originally going back to his, his draft in the NFL. He's going from being loved by everyone in, the, in college football, being the man at Texas, winning the Heisman Trophy. University of Texas Longhorns. He's fucking royalty on that campus. And now all of a sudden he's a villain. And we don't know how he's going to handle that. Now, when, uh, when I saw that he was drafted into the 1999 New Orleans Saints, that's the Mike Dickey years, you understand why you might want to like get high all the time if you're on <laughs> that particular NFL team. Well, if you remember the circumstances of him getting drafted, it was one of the most discussed trades in NFL history. Yeah. The Saints basically gave their entire draft to the Redskins for the right to choose Ricky Williams. Yeah. They gave up so much draft capital to move up, take Ricky Williams, and this put so much pressure on him as a franchise savior of this terrible Saints team. And holy shit, I forgot that he hired Master P to be his agent. <laughs> Master P his, has his own unique rags to riches story. Literally from the trunk up, he... Pretty amazing story there. And yeah, I forgot that he was a fucking agent. He wasn't. <laughs> and he negotiates a terrible contract for Ricky Williams. <laughs> that's pretty much all incentive-based around really high numbers. So he has to be one of the top three running backs in the league to basically get paid close to what he's worth as this top draft pick when he had all the leverage in the world after the Saints gave up so much just to pick him. Now, the Saints sacrificed so much to get Ricky Williams that all Mike Dick could afford was a shitty-looking uh, Rasta man rig. rig. <laughs> and the, the infamous cover of Sports Illustrated, the marriage between Ricky Williams and the Saints, where Ricky's <laughs> wearing a wedding dress on the cover. Yeah, yeah. At first, I thought that was like some weird Photoshop job, and I was like, no way, he really showed up wearing that. And that really played into these ideas later on that Ricky's just a weird dude. Yep. <laughs> uh, so weird, like in interviews, he keeps his helmet on. I can see my eyes right there, right in the little glare of the glare of the glare. I kind of like that, though. <laughs> I kind of get it. Yeah, that's when they're playing up this Ricky's a weird guy type of vibe. But you think about the pressure that he got put under right away, going from, again, this this big man on campus type of thing to all of a sudden the saints give up their entire draft to get him. His contract was negotiated so terribly by master P that he has to be one of the three best running backs in the league to get money. He starts out great, but he gets hurt. Do you think master P made him say, Oh, uh, nah, nah, nah. yeah, baby. Look dog. If you just say, uh, I'll take 10 million, 10 million off this right here. But you know what? His sister says that this contract was what Ricky wanted. So we can't really blame it all on Master P, you know, not being an agent at all. Yeah. She says that Ricky wanted a contract where he has to earn every cent of his money. And she thought that was the most honorable thing she'd ever heard. And he did play hard. And if they just quit testing him for marijuana. <laughs> 
uh, and that's shocking. That that's so unbelievable in the sports culture right now. Yeah, that a player is kind of no, no, no. I want to earn my money before I get it. Yeah, yeah. That's Who does that? And again, playing into this, Ricky's a different kind of cat. Yep. <laughs> he lives in an apartment in New Orleans with three rooms and no windows. He had a neighbor who discussed this. He was he was talking about how Ricky was alone, more of his own devices. And yeah, he's living in an apartment that you or I would live in if we were like forced to live in New Orleans. I don't think I'd even live in an apartment without windows. That's insane. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I don't want to go into the Ricky's crazy narrative right away. No, no. It's, he's, he's much more complicated. I mean, in a lot of ways, Ricky reminds me of the kind of people I hung out with at that age, you know? Maybe a lot less uh, fortune cookie wisdom being thrown around. Ricky thought New Orleans hated him, but his neighbor was like, no, man, we loved him. You live in a room with no windows so you can be alone. Nobody's got a chance to love you. No one sees me. And then when he gets hurt and he misses 10 games in his first two seasons and can't live up to these giant expectations that are put on his shoulders. Well, he's got to start uh, smoking a lot of weed. Deal with it, I guess. Yeah, self-medicating. But he ends up going to the Miami Dolphins, where he handles so much workload. Literally, this mediocre team is being hoisted up on Ricky Williams. He had 775 carries in two years. Just carries. That's a lot of wear and tear on your body. As told by Linda Cohn, kind of kicking it back in 2002. These early sports center. <laughs> Good times. But Ricky fails his drug test for the third time. He's going to get that four-game suspension. Stop drug testing Ricky Williams. You'll be fine if you stop. And now after wearing him down so much with these carries, everyone's making fun of the Dolphins. <laughs> Joke's on you. You gave up two first-rounders for the weird kid? He retires. The week before the start of training camp, the free-spirited Williams is the latest great back to retire in his prime, following in the footsteps of legends like Jim Brown and Barry Sanders. Joke's on you, Miami. And what does he do when he retires? Well, he's a 27-year-old, and he's traveling the world high off his ass. Which, I kind of, I feel him. I kind of get it. <laughs> he's in a tent in Australia. Fans are pissed off. Anybody secretly returns to the United States in 2000 incognito returned to the u.s yeah. gets out of his tent in the middle of australia he's saying yeah i don't want to play football i don't like money i got a one-bedroom apartment because that's all i need one bedroom house in northern california you know maybe i don't want to play football anymore and i thought what about my house and i was like i don't care and i was like what about money and i was like i don't care <laughs> and then it just hit me you know that you don't you don't need money And they talked to some buddies of his that he had up there. He was he had like a poker posse and dudes that were smoking fucking 16 blunts throughout a game. Reminds me of some of my old friends. He just wanted to be a regular guy playing poker, playing rec basketball. <laughs> like, I took a charge from Ricky Williams. I would have given anything to be at those games. I could have. I could have hung. <laughs> then the NFL's like. Yeah, you know how you just retired while you were under contract? Former Dolphins running back Ricky Williams was in breach of contract when he abruptly retired from the team before training camp. Williams has been ordered to repay the $8.6 million he received from the Dolphins as bonus money. The Dolphins want him to repay a signing bonus that he signed with New Orleans, but I guess that's how the contract breaks down. It seems like Ricky has certain issues, specifically social anxiety disorders. And he only felt safe in the dark. And they asked his life partner, girlfriend, Kristen, if she thought that Ricky was happy. And she said, um, I believe that he thinks that he's extremely happy. Every time Kristen was talking on this were some of the more important parts of the documentary, I felt like. She really seemed to be incredibly patient, first of all. Yeah, you can tell that she's got a lot of care for Ricky. You can tell she's been screwed over by Ricky, I'm sure, multiple times. Traveling the world high off his ass, living in a tent. He also had three kids by three women that he just cut ties with everybody. When it comes to women, my son has always been a D.O.G. I was like, I'm going to go in a tent in Australia for a while. Yeah. Not talk to anybody, okay? And um, it, it's really funny because the director, we hear the director talk to him. And you hear the director's voice a lot, and you kind of got to because 
their relationship is a is a big part of like what makes this what it is. So you can forgive the presence of the director's voice in this. It kind of feels like if I asked you to hold a camera and follow me around in a way. I mean, I don't want I don't mean to like shit on Sean Pamphalon because I think he actually made a very interesting film, but it doesn't seem like some real high level shit going on here. We see a lot of shots of a blurry Ricky Williams just staring out a window, kind of petulantly answering questions. Yeah. What'd you do with the presidential award you got last year? I don't know. And responding like... You think it's funny though that like... No. The president of this country? No. Ironic? It's just nature, dude. It's just nature. It's not funny. It's not ironic. I mean, you don't need to put labels on it. You know, it's just what it is. Do you understand why I say that? Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just more things for your mind to jump around and play with and distract you from going inside. There's a part where Ricky has food in his beard and Sean is like, Would you want me to tell you if you had something right here? Okay. And Ricky, like close-up camera on his face with food in his beard, he's like, no, no, don't tell me. No, it's just me living my life. Yeah. Somebody says that Ricky is 95% of the time illuminated and wise. And 5% of the time, just tinfoil hat insane. I would say that Ricky is coming off a, like a little more with it and sharper than maybe your average stereotypical athlete. But He's uh, just your stoner friend. Yeah. <laughs> He's sitting around in shorts in his dark apartment, plucking at a guitar, banging on a keyboard, <laughs> smoking joints, and staring out a window. He <laughs> goes off to study Ayurveda, the holistic arts. He pretty much becomes Hindu. Man, the first thing I thought when they started interviewing his instructor in holistic medicine, fuck this guy. (laughs) God damn it. In Ayurveda, we understand that everything in nature can be a medicine when it's used properly. And everything in nature can be a poison when it's used improperly. Fuck you. There's some thought processes that, like, you shouldn't eat mushrooms because they grow in the shade, like some dumb shit like that. I was wondering if this guy is like on that trip. Honestly, this this kind of shit all jumbles together for me. I'm not a spiritual guy, so it's kind of I tend to be very dismissive of this kind of stuff as I am dismissive of the mainstream religious structures, you know. It's the same way, man. If you got cancer and you're treating with an herbal tea, go to a doctor. Yeah, go to a doctor. <laughs> 60 Minutes shows up, Mike Wallace is there, and Ricky's like... So when is it okay for me to stop playing football? When would it have been okay for me to stop playing football? When my knees went out? When my shoulders went out? When I had too many concussions? Like, what? when is it okay? Wait a minute, you got... Mike Wallace is pretty down with Ricky. Yeah. Then Mike Wallace smokes a hog's leg with Ricky. <laughs> but Mike Wallace asks, or is this... No, I think this is actually a scene just with whatever his name is, the guy making the film. He asked if he misses his kids. Do you miss your kids? Um, no. No. <clears throat> Only when I think about him. What a brutally honest answer. He says, no, not really. And then he says, only when I think about him, implying that he doesn't think about them very much. Yeah, and he, he walked away from everyone in his life. He's like, I didn't just walk out on my kids, you know. I, I walked out on everyone, like yeah, all my friendships. Family, all that shit. I mean, he said he wanted to have an honest film, and he fucking really is given some bits of honesty. And also, he named one of his kids Blaze. Hell yeah. <laughs> is that out of, I think he named it after Glenn Beck's website. <laughs> I don't think that's where he got the inspiration <laughs> for that, considering that his other two kids are Joint and Hoslug. Now, <laughs> Man, Hog's Legs is, he's going to be a very smart young man. Let's get to like some of the basic criticisms that people have of Ricky Williams. He's Pe- got food in his beard. People, yeah. He's saving it for later. You but, know what bothered me even more than the food while we're on this topic? What? Those, that weird bald patch in the middle of his beard that's there for pretty much the entire movie. I get it. I get like these little kind of more barren spots in my beard too. Again, I guess you're making a brutally honest movie. You got the the weird bald spots, you got the food in the beard, you got Kristen's braces up front. It's it's honest. It's not a Hollywood production. <laughs> it sure isn't. And that kind of lends it better to it. But talking about the basic criticisms of Ricky, you know, the why does he love pot more than football? Now, in my opinion, if you've ever smoked pot in your life, it's not a fucking performance enhancing drug. Now, I know it's technically illegal, 
And the culture of marijuana has changed a lot since this film came out. And it's changing as we speak. But if Ricky just doesn't want to play football, and I'm not a Miami Dolphins fan, but if Ricky just doesn't want to play football, then I personally don't fucking care, even as someone who is a fan of the game. What are your thoughts on that? The other side of that, you signed a contract. You have the expectations of an entire city, an entire fan base on your shoulders for something that not only did you volunteer to do, you have to enter the NFL draft. You were paid handsomely to do under contract. And then to just kind of walk away from that, I can see how that feels like a slap in the face to all the people who supported him, who got him to that position, and just fans who were rooting for him. I went through a lot of different emotions myself, watch, because this didn't happen all that long ago. Right. We remember the Ricky Williams story. We were probably playing fantasy football mm-hmm. when Ricky Williams was <laughs> was in the NFL. And I remember feeling the same way. I was like, look at this guy who doesn't care about his team. As somebody who grew up playing on teams all the time, there is a bond there. Like there, You have to know, don't want to make the military references. That's the easiest thing yeah. in the world is that you have to know the guy behind you has your back no matter what. But there is a little bit of that. You need to be able to count on the people next to you. And you couldn't count on Ricky Williams. Multiple people who go both ways. There are people that know him that have the same criticisms that a lot of like the Miami fan base has. I think Ricky would tell you in, in certain moments, because Ricky, Ricky's opinions on things would change a lot, that for his own mental health, he couldn't deal with this. And I think there is something that Ricky is struggling with And if he recognizes, he seems very wishy-washy. And a lot of people are throwing money around, but a lot of those powers that be, they more care about his body than his mind. A lot of his teammates might invest in him, but there's a lot of fat cats that are throwing this money around that frankly don't give a fucking shit about Ricky Williams' mental ability. They're just like, grab the ball and run, asshole. Uh, Dave Wanstatt, when he was coaching the Dolphins there, 775 carries in two years. Yeah. That's an absolute beating for Ricky Williams to be taking because Wanstatt knew he was on the hot seat and had to hitch his wagon to his star running back. He didn't care if Ricky Williams tore his Achilles or anything. He just had to get him into that game as much as he could. But this is why everybody's has an idea of Ricky's mental health. You hear so many guesses. Is he bipolar? Is it an anxiety disorder? Narcissistic personality disorder. Everybody has an idea on why Ricky's different. And there doesn't seem to be a consensus answer that is provided in this film because the dude is just so complicated. And even his own mentality regarding that question of whether that was fair, whether he left or not, he seems to change his mind back and forth over the years around that issue himself. When he does come back to the NFL, his first press conference is apologizing for the way he acted sitting out a season. I'm very regretful that people were hurt in the process of, of me doing that. And, and I do realize that it, to a lot of people, it, it comes off as being very, very selfish. I think also the, the incentive to have to pay back a lot of signing bonuses might be a pretty good reason yeah, to go back to the maybe. NFL. <laughs> but we need to talk about his childhood as well which this goes into yeah oh i want to touch base on that because we mentioned how he's a player and this is interesting it references how he has kids in boston miami and hawaii and and Kristen says that kind of his womanizing makes him look like the football player he says he's not because he's big man on campus and i don't care who you are when everyone loves you like that that could be so intoxicating and Ricky might defy a lot of other stereotypes when it comes to the players. That seems to be the one aspect he didn't mind very much. She's so honest in these interviews. I think it was around this time in the documentary where he straight up asks her, like, when you found out that Ricky had kids with other women when you were supposed to be together, did that ruin things between you? Yeah. It's like, well, obviously <laughs> I hated it. And I, I felt like you would, anybody would feel if your partner, you find out they had kids with a different woman. I wake up and I don't love him any less than the day before. Then the day before I found out that he had another child. Then the day before he ran off to Australia, whatever. It's very strange to me. Sometimes I pray that I wake up and I don't love him. Really? It takes a strong woman to be with Ricky like this. And you could tell she's also an amazing mother at the same time. 
But she never pressured him. She no. just let him run off and live in Australia, getting high for a year, to come back to the NFL, to become a holistic medicine teacher. Whatever Ricky was into at that moment, she was like, all right, you're, you're being Ricky, hopefully finding something that makes you happy. I still love you while I'm here with your kid. <laughs> Ricky's dad, not around. And Ricky said, and I thought this was interesting, little kid Rick, we're, we're hearing from the mom. The mom's talking about Ricky as a child and Ricky talking about how a six-year-old, he was like, it's hard to be the man in the house. And she's like, what the fuck? Like the idea that a six-year-old would say shit like this. If it was anybody but Ricky Williams, it might be hard to imagine. But at, at this point, it's like, yeah, this weird little kid probably did say all this shit. He grew up with his dad not in his life and his his mother grew up with her dad not in his life. He didn't have any male figures in his life going back a couple generations. And she basically says, like, you had to break the cycle, but instead you're an absent father to your kids. So it's still going on. But he grew up, again, with his dad out of the picture and terrified of his mom. Yeah, because <laughs> mom had to be strict. She was out of the house most of the time. She had to work jobs yeah. as a single mother and come home and needed to be in charge of that house. And she locked her shit down. His mom had said that, when he grew up, he wanted to be a policeman so he could shoot his father and get away with it because a policeman can shoot you and not get in trouble. When a child that young knows that cops can get away with murder just by being afraid, that's that shows that there's a real problem with the police force. He really understands, like, oh, these cops can just get away with blasting people. He's the six-year-old man of the house. Yep. Then they tell a story about how Ricky came home one day and told his mom that his dad was taking pictures of his kid dick basically saying he was fondling him and taking pictures of him we see eric senior damn we were see eric senior saying you know i'm not a saint i haven't always been a saint the past is the past and i like leaving the past behind me the past is the past and i like leaving the past behind me if you're a fucking douchebag you would say something like that his dad seems super slimy in all of his interviews yeah he doesn't come off very good a picture taken yeah i don't recall a mom found uh, one of the pictures in the trash they don't go into the details of what exactly is seen i think it's stated that there's like it's a little blurry because of a finger eric was arrested in 1983 for sexually annoying a child that's you, really the name of the crime sexually, sexually annoying, annoying a, child. a child now i've never heard that yeah i'm glad i'm glad that no one in my life knew that term eric remarried had four more kids and he stated that if i was a sexual predator if i was a molester if i was a whatever you want to call it i would have molested my those kind of people have repetitive um, behaviors. I would have, I would have done it again. It He's doesn't so always much deny that. It, that doesn't work like that. A lot of times, a molester will point at someone he didn't molest as like some kind of validation that he isn't one. You know, and molesters don't molest every child that they come in contact. They pick and choose the ones that are most vulnerable instinctively. His That's, dad does not come off well in this. No, he doesn't. And Ricky's sister won't comment on uh, their father. And Ricky doesn't comment on it either. He says, look, that's the past. Going back and talking about, about this and about that, it just ties you to the past and it keeps you from moving forward. Like in his statements regarding that, it does seem to have that there's this underlying current that at least in the past, Ricky has had issues regarding uh, with his mother's intense disciplinarianism and his father's absence and denial of this alleged abusive encounter. But Ricky in the in this film says, if you blame your parents for your upbringing, then only they can fix your problem. I've kind of got some stresses in my family too. I can kind of relate on this back and forth and the the complications of this and it ain't easy. I mean, regardless of, I know it's not an easy thing to deal with. And I really felt for Ricky. And even though he's trying to philosophically deflect the best he can, it, it, that doesn't make it not weigh heavy on your mind. They ask Ricky straight up, do you feel guilt about this story that you told? You were basically breaking up your family. Yeah. Because his mom kicked his dad straight the hell out of the house and as broke contact after this happened. As you should, yeah. And they asked Ricky, do you feel guilt about 
this incident being what broke your family up, you can tell so much that it's there. It's yes. always there with him. And he's just like, no, no, not at all. The past doesn't have power over me. I think a lot of what Ricky is saying in this movie is where he wishes he would be. And I think that's like that with a lot of people. When people describe themselves on their social media or whatever, you're not laying out all your warts, you know. You're, you know, When you're talking about yourself, a lot of times we confuse with what we want for ourselves with where we are. And those things are two very different places. And I think Ricky is guilty of that in this movie, as a lot of people are out in the world. But Ricky quotes the Bible, says one in 1,000 is a good man. So he says, so it was always a crapshoot on whether or not I was going to have a good dad. I think Kristen nails this point again, saying that Ricky thought he was happy. He's always trying to find something that's going to give him that happiness or whatever he's looking for. So when he does re-enter the NFL in 2005, he becomes a yogi. Yeah. He studies yoga in, T- in Thailand and Tibet for a full year or something to get his certification to be a yogi. And you see him practicing yoga and meditation and giving off all these quotes again about how now he's finding peace in this. The holistic medicine thing is in the past. <laughs> yeah, I got a theory. You want to hear it? Yeah. You went back into that world, you were about 20 pounds lighter. Mm-hmm. You played a little bit differently, so it wasn't like you relished the contact anymore. And there's a lot of pain involved. So that's something you got to get really up for. Mm-hmm. So my, my thought was that you took amphetamines to play football. Uh, but Ricky is suspended in 2006 for failing a drug test. And there's some implication that it's a not... A fourth time. Fourth time. There's implication that it's not just weed on this one. He says it's not weed. Because he was injured and the director tells him a theory. When Ricky did play football, he played hard. He really did show up. It, it kind of, sometimes you can paint Ricky as lazy, but like I said, marijuana is not a performance enhancing drug. Anyone that's taken it knows. But it's implied, the director has this theory that he took amphetamine so he could live up to his workload. Really? You really honestly believe that? I mean, I wouldn't even take pain medication. When he converted to Hinduism, became a yogi, he had a guru live in his house with him for years. A personal guru who told him that he was stressed. I bet that whole place just smelled like crotch. And weed. (laughs) And weed. He accepts this for the first time. He says, oh my God, all these expectations that were on me. I was so stressed. And look, I don't know Ricky Williams. But I said out loud watching this movie, no shit, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, You needed the living yogi, the living guru, to tell you that you had stress over all these incredibly stressful life you were living? Ricky goes on to uh, the Canadian Football League. Because he's banned for an entire year after this drug test. Man, Joe Theismann rips him a new one. Is he the guy that called him a disgrace to humanity? I don't ever want to be mentioned in the same breath as Ricky Williams as a football player. He's a disgrace to the game. The man doesn't deserve to play football. He's been suspended from the National Football League on multiple occasions. Doesn't anybody have any class anywhere? I'm embarrassed right now to be a Toronto Argonaut. Yes. Look, I I understand Ricky Williams is a divisive figure, but that's a bit fucking much. He goes off. I'm ashamed to be associated with the franchise that signed him. Calm the fuck down, dude. It's like you're... You're going to drag all of, you're going to compare him to all of humanity. The world is bigger than football if you're going to bring humanity into it. Well, that clip was important because it showed how strong people's feelings were on Ricky Williams, how divisive a person and a player he was. In 2007, Ricky returns again. Well, not not exactly. Hey, guess what? He claims there's a false positive on this he one. He fails another drug test. <laughs> but he seems to later admit in the interviews that he was self-medicating like his own personal psychotherapy. He wants to get back into the NFL now, so he goes along with their program for him. Basically, he's got an indefinite ban at this point. Yeah. So he's just basically begging the league to let him back in. So he undergoes psychotherapy for personality disorders yeah. at a live-in facility yeah in boston and he's uh and he says that they diagnose him with narcissistic personality disorder and like avoidance issues which seems dead on yeah. the guy likes windowless <laughs> homes and he's all about himself all the time in his own head 
But on November 26th in 2007, he's back in the NFL. For six plays. Six carries. And then he gets stepped on, which looked painful. But he still says, even after all this, that if I could just get my head right, I could be the greatest player in the NFL right now. Now, the director points out that he showed there's some footage of him jogging. Ricky, at this point, has turned 30. And then the director says that 30 minutes after he shot this jogging footage in this 30 for 30 film. That's when Ricky said what you just said. If I get my head right, I'd be the best player in the NFL. And then in 2009, Miami, Florida, Ricky comes on. He gets reinstated. He can play for the Dolphins again. And now... He's not into the holistic medicine. He's not into the yoga. Now he's an acupuncture and massage therapist. I think currently I know Ricky's into the Chinese healing arts, so he's never too far from that shit. But he's playing for the Dolphins again, and he has his burst back. He's like kicking ass. And guess what? He's playing good. Everybody loves Ricky again. Yeah, and they even talked to a lady who was like, who wished him to go to hell. Terrible guy. Rotten hell. Now she's like, ah. I kept his jersey the whole time. <laughs> if you actually believe in hell, why would it, you ever wish anyone would go there? Because you're so mad they stopped playing football to smoke weed. Wow, okay. <laughs> but everybody's wearing Ricky Williams jerseys again. And then in his personal life, him and Kristen get married. Yeah, and he becomes more present with his family. And this is Ricky now in his 30s. You can tell... I don't know where he's at with their relationship now, nine years later when this film was released, but it seems like he's settling into this family life. Like he seems to have uh, have an appreciation and effort for the things that are solid in his life. And his family is so happy about this. Yeah. His mom is, you can just see her beaming in this interview now where she's asked, you described Ricky before as a father in one word. You just said he was absent. What do you think he a is D-O-G. now? A D.O.G. dog. D.O.G. And now she says he's he's present. And his sister's like, look, Kristen was there for every version of Ricky Williams. Yeah. She was always there. And now for the two of them to get married and be living together and him in the same home as his kids. I think they've got like three kids together at this point. Yeah. It doesn't say what happened to Blaze, though. The kids seem pretty young, so... It's, you know, it's not a lost cause in terms of fatherhood, so. Was Blaze the Hawaiian kid? I don't know. I know there's a, uh, 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 there's a Insane Clown Posse related rapper. I think his name is Blaze Ya Dead Homie. I'm a dead man watching you face to face. Shit. so bad you can taste it. Look out, here he comes. Oh my God, it's him. I stomp when I walk big six foot ten. I'll be a dead man walking. There's an interesting stat. Now we're at the end of the movie credits, and it says Ricky Williams is the only player in NFL history to have thousand yard seasons between the span of six years. Six years between thousand yard seasons, and we saw these five years in this documentary. He went through a lot of stuff in those six years. Well, he didn't spend all of his 20s getting his body destroyed, and it shows that, you know, maybe, maybe his lungs. Yeah, just the lungs. <laughs> I mean, lungs can affect your endurance, so he's, and he, even then he still seemed to be fine. He said he also never really touched weed that much until New Orleans. Interesting. Well, yeah, until started, things started going downhill for him. Yeah, he started freaking the fuck out. People thought that he was lost and he went to dark places in his life. But Ricky says that he liked it in those dark places. It wasn't a dark place for him. It was just a place he liked because he could always see a light at the end of the tunnel. Well, he's also light sensitive because he's been smoking up all them hogs legs. But the Dolphins consider uh, Ricky's repayments of, of what? What is it? Three million at this point to be an internal matter. Yeah, hey, that was an interesting. I want to look up more about that, actually, to see where that yeah. stands currently. Kristen and Ricky had their third child in 2010. And then we end on a very weird end song. There were a lot of people in this movie talking about Ricky as well, mostly sports writers and people in his orbit. 
I thought it was interesting that a lot of them said friend and writer. Yeah. A lot of people consider themselves Ricky Williams' friend, and there was so much Dan LeBatard in this one. Of course, he's a famous Miami sports writer and podcaster now. So when it went through the credits and said that he was a consulting producer on this film, I was like, oh, there it is. Right. Because they had a lot of his insights on Ricky Williams here as well. There were so many people interviewed. But man, this movie was so personal. And it it's going to be so hard to grade because how you think about this film is basically going to be a litmus test on how you feel about Ricky Williams. Right, yeah. I find the dude very fascinating, personally. Maybe one of my favorite players in the sense of all this. I kind of find him strangely relatable. I I can be frustrated by him, but maybe not in a way that a lot of other people are, you know? Um, I think he does have a little bit of hubris. I think when when you present yourself as a particularly guru-esque kind of person, that there is a real hubris there, that there maybe is a lot that you could be deflecting. That's completely different in a way that any average NFL player might uh, deflect. But even then, like the cycles of what he's going through and where he ended up being at the end of this movie, it's just a person becoming a man, growing up and realizing what the fuck is going on. He might be one of the most relatable NFL stars ever. The idea that this guy had tens of millions of dollars and then just gets like a one-bedroom house that's not relatable. I would not at all do that if I had $10 million. <laughs> well, I wouldn't get a mansion because I don't, uh, you can't always assume that you're always, it's like the opposite of that 30 for 30 broke that we'll get to eventually, you know? And my place would have windows. Yeah, that's true. You got to have windows. <laughs> but Drew, we don't rate documentaries at a star rating scale. We rate them in Herzogs. You're going to give this one through five Herzogs. I'm going to give this one through five Herzogs. We're going to combine them like uh, Ricky with a hog's leg full of sticky icky, raising it up to his lips. <laughs> For best out of 10 Herzogs, Drew, what did you think about this? Run, Ricky, run by Sean Pamphalon and Royce Tony. Oh boy. <laughs> I think if you're watching this movie, you have to be honest with yourself as well. Because you know, the real is the only deal. And 99% of truths are also lies. But this movie is as real as it gets. That's deep. So you got to be honest with yourself about it. And again, this didn't happen that long ago. If I'm being honest with you listeners out there, I was in the fuck Ricky Williams camp when this stuff went down. This was before I was doing a sports talk show here in Nashville, before Walk It Off. A long time ago, I had a short-lived sports blog. You know the deal. Yeah. (laughs) That was called... Barry, Ricky, and the King. Really? All that's right, wrong and right with sports. So obviously, Barry Bonds and Ricky Williams were your all that's wrong with sports. And then LeBron James was all that's right with sports. <laughs> this was before the decision, everybody. <laughs> and right. he became a villain as well. Before the Cleveland move? Yeah, before, before he left Cleveland. The, Cle- the decision. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Taking my talents to South Beach. Right. <laughs> so... As a sports fan, I lumped Ricky Williams in there with your Barry Bonds, your Roger Clemens, your guys who did something to tarnish the game in that incredibly pearl-clutching phrase. (laughs) They tarnished the game, the integrity of my favorite sports that are just using and abusing players. But look, we're sports fans. We're not in it for the deep stories about what's actually happening to these people. We're watching from a distance. Saying, cool, good job, awesome play, rad dunk, touchdowns. And for that, Ricky Williams walking away from his contracts, walking away from his teammates. And as all the reports were out, because he liked smoking weed more than he liked playing football, as long as they were going to drug test him, he was like, fuck this, I'm out. I thought Ricky Williams was an asshole. That's not the way you do this. And then later on, you got those other stories, the redemption story of Ricky Williams, his is look, I was dealing with stuff and I had to take care of myself. You say, man, that's why doesn't everybody do that? You you got to take care of your own stuff. All right, Ricky Williams, I I kind of like you now. You seem like a guy who maybe has it all together. Maybe we just again like that quote at the very beginning of this movie. Maybe everybody else is insane for how much value we put on being in the NFL and getting the money, all the money, every penny you could out of this thing. Maybe that's not what's important. Maybe what's important is being true to yourself and what you really like 
But now, here in Year of Our Lord 2019, after watching this very, very personal documentary where we saw all these different sides of Ricky, he's just a dude. Yep. (laughs) He's just a dude. Instead of being the story about this incredibly unique weirdo, the, uh, you know, too weird to live, but too unique to die type of Hunter S. Thompson (laughs) type of guy. Yeah. It makes so much sense. Look, he was he was the shit in school. He had everything on top of him. And then he went to the NFL and had every single pressure you could possibly have on a rookie kid coming a kid coming out of college. Got the highest stress pressures that you could in that situation. From the trades that the Saints made to him to his contract situation to his injuries to living in New Orleans with his own personality, and he crumbled under that stress. He went to plays what could get him out of that which was being everybody's stoner friend who can't deal with their real life, who just locks themselves in a dark room, eats Cheetos, plucks at a guitar, and spouts out really wise stuff, and gets into holistic medicine, and gets into acupuncture and yoga, and this is the stuff that I need to make myself feel like I'm not a failure, because all this stuff is what is making my brain happy right now, and you know what, the outside world just doesn't understand me. He's just a guy. He's just a guy that we've all met in our lives. We all know people like Ricky Williams. And his life just played out under the highest stakes and the highest scrutiny. I don't know where that leaves me on a Herzog rating (laughs) point of view. (laughs) Feeling like, again, this is just me saying that. uh, Who really does understand a single other person? Who knows what's going on in the head of even the people you think you know the best? Yeah. But it seems like such an obvious story that Ricky never got himself until then. He he just wouldn't admit to anything, that anything was out of his control, that he was out of control. He would never admit that. So he did all these things that people thought were insane in his maybe a little bit narcissistic way was, okay, this is how I can be in control of my own situation without these outside forces on me. Look, we... We all know somebody like that who's just not not going to deal with society, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't play by your rules. And most of the time, they're annoying as hell. I'm going to go straight down the middle on this, man. It, it brought out so many things, but in the end, did it really say anything? Or was it just shining another light on this guy who's maybe his personal life should be personal? Three and a half. Okay. Okay. Three and a half Herzogs. Now, there's technique here that you could definitely say amateurish and depending on what 30 for 30s we're watching that could seem like a bad thing but somehow it lends to the humanity presented within this 30 for 30 as somebody who has to deal with their own issues of self-sabotage and i think ricky has that too that's kind of what i meant when i said i kind of related to ricky in this way I, i i sometimes feel like i see the way to do things but it's just like i refuse to do them and it seems it it seems strange i i and yeah, it Ricky can't help but be himself in so many ways. And whether he's contradictory or frustrating or seeming so incredibly intelligent, it's all Ricky. And it is fascinating to go through that. I'm not as hung up on what happened to him in his professional career. I mean, during those days, I wasn't even really that intense into football, but I did know who Ricky Williams was based upon all the controversy that surrounded him. I really kind of got into football as he was in his last season or two of the NFL, which is kind of fascinating to think about. But Sean Pamphilon did manage to make something that was a very honest and I didn't really care for that font, you know, <laughs> and there was a lot of that like music that played on and there was a lot of music in there that I just was like, This is kind of lame. It's a little bit much, you know. As far as like really getting to Ricky and telling his side of the story the best it could and watching Ricky go from uh, a a very like balled up mid-20s guy to a man in his early 30s who is starting to kind of realize what is important and what he needs to do. There's something a little bit inspirational in that, I got to say. I can't go too high on it because... There is uh, some things that did stand out, but there was just a lot. This may be one of the most human 30 for 30s we've seen so far. And I think for that reason alone, I'm going to give this 3.75 Herzogs. 
So you take your 3.5 with my 3.75. That brings it to 7.25 out of 10 Herzogs for a run, Ricky run by Sean Pamphilon and Royce Tony. This is a fascinating one. I'm just going to say that this is probably our most subjective Herzog rating. Absolutely. The only way you're going to grade this is it's holding up a mirror to what you feel about Ricky Williams. Honestly, I went through all of it there. There were parts in this documentary where I'm like, just suck it up and deal with it, Ricky. <laughs> just get out of your house and you know do your responsibilities like every single one of us. And then there's other times like, yeah, Ricky, you do you. That's That's all anybody can do in this life is do what makes you happy and... You know, if you need to go through every Eastern religion on the block <laughs> to get to what makes you happy, do it. Yeah. So it, it's really just going to be wh- what you think about Ricky Williams, because this 30 for 30 is so different from any other one. It tells you right up front. He asked the filmmaker to make this movie to show his kids what kind of person he was because he wasn't in their life. That's all it is. It's just who Ricky Williams was for five years of his life. That's what this documentary is. I mentioned that Ricky was in the last season of Celebrity Big Brother. Going back full circle to that real quick, he played this game where he played things very close to the vest, but he seemed very mysterious to a lot of people around him. He had his alliances, but he seemed constantly vague. It's pretty easy to imagine. He likes to be very mysterious. (laughs) That was his style in playing the game, and he managed to get to the bottom two. And he did not win. Someone else actually ended up winning the main prize of what Big celebrity Brother. won honestly i can't fucking remember when i did see ricky williams walk into that house i got fucking excited as shit like i imagined myself being in that house i would try to ally with ricky immediately like oh we're gonna get so high he got second place which i think earns something like 50 grand no slouch which is pretty good for anybody's pocketbook Unless you owe $8.6 million to the NFL. At that, in that finale episode, the camera went past Ricky and there was this weird moment of reality in Big Brother where you heard Ricky talk to his family and he said, yeah, yeah, that did hurt. That did obviously hurt. I don't understand why. He didn't understand why he didn't win because he felt like he played it as sincere as he could without really shitting on anybody directly. But I think it's his vagueness Ultimately, that kept him on the outside because I think it's like this in the South quite a bit that if you're kind of standoffish and you kind of keep to yourself, it can be interpreted as snotty or insulting to people around you. And I think in the South and the Midwest, that is apparent quite a bit. A little bit different up in New York City where it's like, please mind your own fucking business. I got shit to do. Yeah. If you're not standoffish and kind of aloof, you're. Yeah, you're the weird one. But people seem to like Ricky, but not enough to hand him the big prize of like a quarter million dollars. An interesting bit of vulnerability that we hadn't seen from Ricky throughout that season of Big Brother. But that was why he didn't win, Ricky, in case you were wondering. I'm going to be honest with you. I've never seen an episode of any Big Brother. Yeah. But I think it's pretty fascinating that he he didn't know why he didn't win. He expected to win. And that really fits in with the Ricky Williams you saw in this documentary is that it seems you had that happy ending at the end of it where he seemed to let other people into his life and grow as a person. But for most of this documentary, it's all about the Ricky Williams that's in Ricky Williams own head. Yeah. And Ricky can grow up and be a little more mature than he was before. But there's always going to be that aspect of Ricky. And that's just who he is. What, what was it, 7.25 out of 10? You got it. For a run, Ricky, run by Sean Pamphilon. And I could see people watching this and being like five Herzogs and other people being like 0.25. I fucking hated it. This is one, folks, that if you haven't seen it, check it out. I would love to hear what people think about it. I'm expecting a broad range. And this is also a 30 for 30 that you really don't have to be a big sports fan to get something out of. It's very interesting. It does not seem like a 30 for 30 movie. It seems like a home movie. Yeah, and it kind of works in that bizarre way. But that's that. Run, Ricky, run. And uh, until next time, Drew. Good times all around. One foot in front of the other, buddy. And uh, keep on docking. The Bible says that there's one... 
there's one good man in a thousand. So it's a crapshoot that you'll get, you get a good dad anyway. <laughs> Let's go, stretch it out like elastic, zip that ass up in plastic, have your folks picking.